United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. On October 7th, United Soccer Coaches proudly announced Joe Cummings as the 82nd recipient of its Honor Award in recognition of a career of meritorious service to the association and outstanding contributions to soccer that have touched nearly every level of the game. And on this Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, we are certainly thankful for Joe Cummings and we dedicate 75% of today's show to Joe Cummings. The last segment will be with another member of our 30 under 30 class, Cameron Carter. But we talk to Joe after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. On October 7, United Soccer Coaches proudly announced Joe Cummings as the 82nd recipient of its Honor Award in recognition of a career of meritorious service to the association and outstanding contributions to soccer that have touched nearly every level of the game. Presented annually since 1942, the Honor Award is the most prestigious accolade bestowed by the association to an individual for service to the organization and the game. It will be presented at the annual awards banquet on January 21, 2022, in conjunction with the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City. Joe Cummings, a native of Southboro, Massachusetts, has been a member of the association since 1981, compiling a resume surpassed by few individuals in the sport. He served 11 years on the board of directors, including a term as president in 2004, followed by his years as the association's CEO from 2009 to 2015. Prior to his election to the board, Joe Cummings immersed himself in service to what was then the National Soccer Coaches Association of America. He was the first Region 1 representative, served as the NSCAA Academy Coordinator, and became a member of the convention committee in various roles, including the meal function chair, the program chair, and exhibits coordinator. He received the association's presidential recognition award in 2015 and retains the honorary title of CEO Emeritus. The conference room at the national office is also named in his honor. His lifelong dedication and contributions to the sport of soccer are further recognized through a United Soccer Coaches Foundation named Endowment Fund, which provides for one or more applicants to attend the convention in his name each year. Joe Cummings earned his undergraduate degree from Providence College and his master's from Springfield College. He has done it all in the game, and this is not his first award and will not be his last. But with that, we honor Joe Cummings and we spotlight him on this Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, Joe Cummings. Congratulations on receiving this prestigious honor award and welcome to this holiday edition of the Association's podcast. Well, Dean, <laughs> thank you very much. That's, uh, yeah, wow, that's, um, thank you. That's a, that's a nice introduction. 
Well, it's my pleasure. And, you know, one of the great things about you is a lot of people don't realize that you were a coach. I mean, you started as a coach. You were a finalist for the NSCA National Coach of the Year in 1983. And you were the New England High School Coach of the Year and one of only two coaches to have received all four major awards presented by the Central Mass Soccer Coaches Association. Tell us a little bit or a lot about your high school coaching and then the college coaching that followed at the College of Holy Cross. Well, it, 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 it came about, Dean, I was a teacher at the time. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go back now into the 70s and people are going to be shaking their heads saying, well, you really have got an old guy on the podcast today, haven't you? Um, it was, I was teaching uh, at, in, in Northboro, Massachusetts, and the junior varsity position opened up. And although I had, uh, I had been introduced to soccer as a 10-year-old in 1959, we had an after-school program at the elementary school that I was enrolled at. And so I had played it, but, you know, nothing like, you know, that, that's really, you know, we should qualify that word, played it. Um, it was an after-school program, but I knew right then that I really loved the game and I loved the merging of the creative nature and the tactical nature. So you could have an individuality on the field, but yet within the within uh, what a team presented. So the junior varsity job opened up, junior varsity job opened up, and we had only had soccer at, that, at the local high school for three years when this job opened up. It had just started in the early 70s. So I knew as it, with beginning as a JV coach would be an easy way to get into the to the understanding of being a, a coach of that sport and so 1976 1977 and 1978 were years as junior varsity coach junior varsity coach and it was at that point that i i made a conscious decision as to stay as a coach um i, I knew that it was the feelings i had when i was playing as a young kid i knew that i would um that joy would be felt from coaching uh, but I also knew that I had so, so much to learn uh, about the game, uh, followed it up with the great good fortune of being able to become a, a varsity coach. And we had some very, very successful seasons. And it was, uh, it was capped off by winning what was then a district championship. Uh, Massachusetts at that time uh, in the 1980s was in the middle of some real financial situations at the high school level, and there were no state championships. They were just district championships. So we were fortunate enough to win uh, the district championship, which kind of put things in play for the Coach of the Year awards that you mentioned. But I've always been one of these people that kind of says, what's next, what's next? And um, after being a high school coach, I knew I wanted to, to be a, a college coach. And I looked at the college coaches around the country and said, um, how can I, you know, how could I become them? You know, how could I become, it was interesting. How could I become John Rennie? You know, how, how, how could I become Jerry Yegley? What would it take to become those coaches? And actually I was going to join Hank Steinbrecher at BU. Uh, I was going to take a year's leave of absence from teaching and I was going to go work with Hank at BU as an unpaid assistant, but as a but as a uh, opportunity to really learn the college game. And who better to learn it from than than Hank Steinbrecher? I mean, my goodness, 
but the job opened up at Holy Cross and um, I applied, never thinking that a high school coach would get it. And Holy Cross was just a few minutes from where we lived and from the school where I was teaching, it was a part-time job. And so I was a college coach from 1982 to 1983. And glad I did it, but I answered the question as to whether I could be a college coach. And no, I could never be John Rennie, and no, I could never be Jerry Handley. These guys are really smart. And, and I knew that I could uh, do a training session, but there was so much more to being a college coach. And uh, it, was, it wasn't, uh, I, I didn't see myself continuing down the path of, of coaching at that level. So that's the package of going from JV to varsity to college. That's pretty awesome. And you always valued education. And because of that, you've been a member of United Soccer Coaches for 40 years. How did you become a member and what made you want to join the association, Joe? Well, it's all happening at the same time with this story. You know, the, the, the then, as it was called, NSCAA used to have regional conventions uh, so you imagine the, the, the big convention, but we had them, you know, around the United States. And so that was for those members that couldn't go to the national convention. And so we used to have them in New England and they were very successful. And the first one I went to during the time that I was making the transition from being a junior varsity coach to a varsity coach uh, was in Hartford, Connecticut. And it was run by Peter Gooden, who was the coach at Amherst at that time, and Jeff Gettler who was the coach at University of Massachusetts at that time. And what an eye-opening experience. And you join, you become a member, and then here I am at this regional convention, and I asked both Peter and Jeff, how can I get involved? I really want to immerse myself in the NSCAA. I really want to get involved in this association. And they said, well, you need to go to the national convention. And of course, I had no idea what they were talking about. I didn't know that there was this big convention, you know, something bigger than what was going on in Hartford, Connecticut. And after joining, becoming a member and seeing the regional aspects that I decided, well, and, and the regional convention was held in the fall. So just a few months later, I was at my first national convention. And after that, I, I, I continued to, to go year after year after year. We're here with Joe Cummings. He has received the honor award. He'll be recognized on January 21 of 22 at the convention in Kansas City. And Joe, as most of us know, you've been involved with professional teams on both the men's and women's side of the sport in Major League Soccer, WUSA, and WPS. What are your memories of those leagues and any experiences with those leagues? Well, all three of them, I was involved in very early stages. You know, MLS, I was there from 1996 to 1999. I went back to the revolution in 2004 and five, but I was there during the formative years of MLS. WUSA, same thing. And then WUSA, of course, folded, but I was involved in, in relaunching a women's league. So what I remember about them Dean is is that the, the nature of starting something, the challenges of beginning beginning something. And I, I can remember being on the road. We were doing a, a road show, and um, I was with Alexi Wallace and Mike Burns. And we're out at some town in Massachusetts to talk about season tickets. And I used to give this speech all the time. I would say to the to the people in the audience, what are your biggest challenges running a youth soccer team? And they would say, well, we're not sure where 
where our uh, practice fields, our training fields are going to be. And I would say, yeah, we don't know that yet either with the revolution in 1996, because we didn't know where we were going to train at that point. And they'd say, well, we're not sure when our uniforms are going to come in. And I would say, yeah, we're not sure when our order is going to come in for our uniforms either. When you launch something, when you launch a league, there's so many questions that are asked and answered. But then all of a sudden you're playing these games and you have to remind yourself that you're working for a professional league and how joyful that is. For me, the memories now are ones of a frame of reference. I sit now each weekend and watch games hour after hour after hour and, and at every league in the world. And I, I realize how fortunate I've been to have those experiences that are almost you know, 30 years ago now with MLS from 1996 to, the, to where we are right now. And to have a deeper appreciation than maybe others do for what the league has gone through to get to the point that it's at right now. And that's true with the women's league also. Watching the final last weekend and seeing the number of people that were there for the final in Louisville and seeing the playoffs that are going on right now with MLS, uh, the memories for me are where we were and where we are as a sport right now, especially with those professional leagues. It's, 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 it really brings a smile to my face to watch what's happening with those leagues. Yeah, it's incredible. I remember being at Colorado and we had to have YMCA and the monkeys to draw a crowd. Now it's automatic. Uh, the crowds are incredible. Uh, your other experiences are remarkable. You served U.S. soccer as director of operations for the 1996 Olympics, the 1999 Women's World Cup, and a venue manager for the 2003 Women's World Cup in both Foxborough and Philadelphia. Talk to us about event operations, what it entails, and how you got involved in these high level events, Joe? Well, you know, I talked a little bit about the coaching at the beginning and after realizing that as much as I enjoyed the coaching, that I felt like there was something else that was always pulling me. And that was the event aspect. Uh, I loved how events, like how did an event happen? And when you reach a decision that you're going to continue to be involved in the sport, but not as a coach, the next choice might be to be involved in the events. Um, I've mentioned Hank, and Hank had a lot to do with, um, with how I got involved with U.S. soccer. 1996, uh, the Olympics were held in, in locations before they went to Atlanta. Uh, so the soccer was played in Washington, D.C., in Birmingham, Alabama, and in Orlando before it got to uh, Atlanta. And I was in Birmingham, Alabama, and Bill Holloman, uh, who I foundation uh, awards and named for, uh, a past president of the association, an honor award recipient himself. Bill Holloman was running the Birmingham, Alabama venue. And I joined Bill as the director of operations. And uh, the same thing happened in 1999 with the Women's World Cup. And then again, as a venue manager in, in 2003, the, mis the, the, the moving parts is what I really enjoyed. When you run these events, you are an orchestra leader. And you may not know how to play all those parts, but you need to understand how all those parts fit together. And that's the thing that I really, really love. I really enjoy. But the biggest part of it all is in the United States, when we put these events on, it's done with volunteers. 
And it's just like the convention in a lot of ways. There are hundreds of people behind the scenes. They're not employees of an organization. They are merely giving of their time because they love the sport. And um, certainly for 96, 99, and then 2003 Women's World Cup, the volunteers is what the takeaway for me is what I remember. How do the events come together and how many people is it going to take to put on there, that event? And then to realize that it only happens because of the volunteers that step up. And that was true in Birmingham. That was true in Foxborough. And that was certainly true in Philadelphia. And those are the memories from those moments. Outstanding. We're just getting started with Joe Cummings, who will be the 82nd recipient of the United Soccer Coaches Prestigious Honor Award. Again, he will be given that on January 21, 2022 at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City. We'll take a break and come back and talk to Joe about the conventions as he's played a big role in that as well. This is the Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Hello, college coaches. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Registration is now open for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Registered programs have access to a variety of benefits, including eligibility for awards and rankings, individual membership discounts, a dedicated liaison working on your behalf with organizations like the NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA, and so much more. United Soccer Coaches helps you develop your entire coaching game the way you help your student athletes grow as people. For more information or to register, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college. Welcome back to our special Thanksgiving edition where we are dedicating most of the show to Joe Cummings, who will receive the prestigious honor award. Again, he'll receive that on January 21th, the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City. And Joe, as we know, you have served the association in many ways, but the convention is perhaps what we know you most for. What aspects of the convention did you oversee? Well, Dean, it's been it's been a potpourri. It's been all of them, as a matter of fact. Uh, just like I said about events, I like to know how things happen. I like to know how they work. So one year uh, I did was the exhibits coordinator. So when you walk onto the convention floor and see all those companies there, one year I did the exhibits. I managed all the exhibits. I returned to that uh, later on in the sequence of years and did it for multiple years, but I was introduced to the convention by being the exhibits coordinator. Uh, one year I did the program. So how does that all come together? What clinicians are going to present? When are they going to present? What days are they going to present? How is the demonstration hall going to be set up? Uh, I did that uh, one year. One year I did the meal function. Um, what's the menu going to be? Learned so much following John McKeon, who was our first uh, executive director, following John around and negotiating the contracts for the meals and, and, you know, why would we have this meal? How many do we order? What's the main meal going to be? What's the dessert going to be? What's the salad going to be? All those funny little decisions that have to be made was the meal function coordinator. Um, I, and, and, and then even in one year, I mean, we've got the, 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 the Cal Ripken of Masters of Ceremonies in, in both of you, in you and Dr. Sieplick and Ray Sieplick. I mean, how many years has Ray done it? Uh, so many years in a row and one year he was not the master of ceremonies and I did the Friday night banquet and the Saturday and I, 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 so I said okay let's see I've done the exhibits I've done the, the meal functions I've done the program 
what's left? Oh yeah, master of ceremonies. And I can't remember whether Ray wasn't at the convention that year or for some reason. And somebody said, you know, to me, would you do it? And I said, heck yes. Now, again, you watch people that are really great at their jobs, like you are and like Ray is, and you say, oh yeah, yeah, I can do that. I mean, it's like, you know, I made one attempt at trying do trying to be a color commentator on a revolution broadcast and said, well, people must be laughing at home because I was terrible. I wasn't very good at all. And the same thing is true of watching you guys. And I I was gave it right back to Ray the following year, said, here you go. You can have being master of ceremonies again. But I did it and I enjoyed it. And so now I can sit at the convention every year and look at those folks that are doing those jobs and understand exactly what they're going through. So yeah, it's been it's been every single aspect of the convention I've taken on for better or for worse. Yeah, I heard you did a great job. And I think the reason uh, he, Dr. Ray couldn't do it is because he was actually the president of the association that's, that year. I think, I think that was the reason why. That's, it. that's exactly it. Well done. Yep, that was it. Well, speaking of well done, there is a named foundation fund, the Joe Cummings Convention Scholarship Fund. What does it mean to you to have such a fund, Joe? And what does the fund provide? So there are a number of, there will be a number of folks at the convention this year that will be there because they've received the uh, convention scholarship fund. And in many cases, as the committee looks at the applications and as I read the applications, I'm just struck by the generational aspect of, of them receiving this. So what we're looking at is we're looking at coaches that are working in the game and know they would like the experience of the convention, but maybe can't afford it financially. And so the scholarship that they receive, uh, it's a, a financial scholarship, but it covers, could generally cover most of their expenses. It covers registration, it covers, there's a hotel stipend, a housing stipend, uh, and there's even a travel stipend. So it, it really is joyful during the foundation event to be introduced to these young coaches that are working in the game. And for me to think back to the years when I was coming as a young coach and to know that they're there only because of, uh, maybe not only because, but to know that they're there because they've received this scholarship. And the second part of it is that the, the, the biggest chunk of the money that was raised in this endowment uh, came through um, came through Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, work that I had done. Sir Alex and I have known each other a number of years, and I did, a, um, I, I did an event with him, and a chunk of change from that event was put into the foundation scholarship under my name, and that really kick-started the program to get us to the level that we have to get to to be able to offer these scholarships. And it's every year now, I know that there were going to be uh, there will be members there that are enjoying the scholarship because of the money that's been made available to them through the wonderful work of our foundation. Nothing better than that, Joe. And additionally, for 11 years, you were a board member of the association and served as the president in 2005. That's a long period of time to serve on the board. And is there anything you wish to share with us about those great years? You know, the board is chaired by the president of the association. Um, so that he or she is actually the board chair. So you get to see 
all these different personalities. And as you just said, for me, it was it was over a decade. So I got to see some of these folks that I have been recognized by our association, run a meeting, be responsible for the convention, oversee the education pieces that we were offering each year. And although you may arrive into a situation with a leadership or a managerial style, you certainly change it, learn from it, adjust it, and become better at it. So by the time I arrived as president in 2005, and then certainly in 2009, uh, when, I, when I was the CEO, I had taken incredibly valuable lessons from each of those folks that I had watched chair the board. And then to watch the board members change each year. You know, there's an election every year. As a brand new secretary, that person is going to ascend to the presidency. To watch the new people come in and to watch them experience the board and to watch them learn the same way I learned, um, that's, that's what I remember the most. Learning from those leaders that came um, before me and showed me the way. As I mentioned in my opening comments, you were also the CEO of what was then the NSCAA from 2009 to 2015 and accomplished much during those six years. What do you recall, Joe Cummings, from those years in Kansas City and your time as CEO of the association? Well, it was it was six years of, of different growth. Um, we had uh, we were in an, an office space in uh, Kansas City, Kansas. We ended up moving across to Kansas City, Missouri into beautiful, beautiful new office space. Uh, the association itself, the membership numbers uh, skyrocketed. Uh, I am um, a supporter of the uh, association having an international presence. And I spent a good deal of time developing relationships with a number of different federations. And those federations uh, were able to send uh, presenters to the convention every year that I feel improved on the, on the value of the convention. There were some um, financial challenges during the, during the six years that I was there that required uh, a business approach that was perhaps a little bit different than what um, had occurred up until that point. But when you think about that stage of soccer and where the businesses where businesses were going at that time, uh, they were growing, they were exploding, and we were learning um, how to help the association grow and how to help help it explode. Uh, the office staff doubled in size during that time, and uh, there were a lot of people that were joining me and helping to uh, grow the association. So. My recollection of all of that is the move into a beautiful new office, the international presence that we had, the growing of the association in its size, the growth of the membership, and then financial models that allowed the association to sustain itself for years to come. You played a major role, Joe, and I know you even had some major skin in the game as well, which is remarkable. Since leaving the association, Joe Cummings continues to do great things. When we come back, we'll ask about what he has been up to. Joe Cummings receiving the honor award, and he is our special guest on the Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. 
United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back to this Thanksgiving holiday edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Our first three segments are with Joe Cummings. Why? Well, he's great, and he's also receiving the honor award, the most prestigious accolade bestowed by the association to an individual for service to the organization and the game. He will receive that at the annual awards banquet on January 21 in conjunction with the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City. And Joe, since leaving the association more than six years ago, you started very busy consulting with clubs here in the United States and in Europe, along with managing some events, the Sir Alex book tour and the Copa America. Did you enjoy the time after the years with the association? Well, it, it certainly was something I had looked forward to, Dean. I felt that at the end of uh, the years of not just the association, but the experiences up until 2015 might allow me to provide uh, some guidance to clubs. Uh, to individuals, to executives. You know, you got gray hair, you've made a lot of mistakes, and those are things that I have both of, uh, and you, you, you perhaps have some wisdom, and you perhaps have some knowledge that you'd like to share. And I knew I wanted it to be event-centered, and I knew that um, I still had some energy for the game. I wasn't ready to give up uh, being involved. And I felt that perhaps there would be people that would feel exactly the same way. And then the neat part of it is that because with the association, many of the things have a short, have a shelf life. You work the convention or you prepare for the convention, you know, it's five days in January. But when you're working with a club that wants to uh, build a new strategic plan and then implement the, the outcomes of those strategic plan, it's going to be long term. And the opportunity to work with a club over a period of time, which, which has a beginning, a middle, and an end to what they are trying to accomplish, that was really exciting. You mentioned the Sir Alex book tour. Uh, after Sir Alex uh, retired from Man United, he wrote a book called Leading, and we uh, did two presentations. Um, if you attended the, 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 the tour, the book tour in either Philadelphia or San Francisco, you received the book. It was autographed by Sir Alex, and there was a one-hour interview uh, conducted by uh, in, in Philadelphia by Rebecca Lowe, um, who we all know and love for her work uh, on the on the Premier League, and then by Michael Moritz, Sir Michael Moritz, who was Sir Alex's, uh, who worked with Sir Alex on the book, wrote the book with Sir Alex in San Francisco, and that both of those events were an opportunity to spend more time with Sir Alex and to listen to talk about words of wisdom from perhaps the greatest manager of all time. Mm. Copa America, U.S. soccer called and said, Joe, we'd love, love you to run a venue. And I really wasn't, wasn't interested. This, the six years was supposed to be, be me transitioning toward retirement. And I won't say that retirement and I have actually gotten along real well recently, um, haven't really embraced it as well as I thought I might. Um, but they said, Joe, we'd like you to, to run a venue. And I, 
I really wasn't interested. And then they called a second or a third time and said it was the Rose Bowl. And boy, oh boy, you know, I mean, I don't care what event you've ever watched, but if it's in the Rose Bowl, it's worth spending some time. And that's what happened. It was the Rose Bowl. It was Copa America. It was a huge success. And I got a chance to run games in that beautiful, beautiful venue with a history unlike any other in the United States, perhaps. The granddaddy of them all is Keith oh, Jackson. Oh, yes. Keith Jackson would say. Now, Joe, because we have pointed out your long-standing ties to the association, perhaps nobody is more aware of how prestigious this honor award is. It's the most recognizable award presented by the association. What does it mean to be this year's recipient? And if you can share with us the emotion of getting the call or email that you were in fact, this year's recipient of the honor award. Uh, you know, it, it, it used to be that the recipient didn't know at all. I mean, they would sit there that January and Cliff McCrath, Cliff was the presenter and Cliff would begin to talk about the recipient. And then at some point, the recipient sitting in the audience would become aware that Cliff was talking about him or her. That's not the case anymore. We know, okay, they tell us in advance. But that doesn't mean that it, they tell you without it being a surprise. Um, Ray Sieplick is, uh, is the chair of the committee and Ray and his wife, Kathy, and my wife, Anne Marie and I, we you know, speak to each other regularly and do so many times during Zoom. So they set up a Zoom call. They said, ah, we haven't chatted with you in a while. And, um, you know, let's set up a call. Are you available? Pick this day in September, it was late September. And yeah, so we're on the Zoom call, just like, you know, we're looking at each other. We're talking about our grandkids. We're having a great time. And then all of a sudden, Ray says, just a minute, Joe, I got to do something with a computer. There's something wrong with my computer here. And... I said, what the, what the heck is going on? Like, you know, it looks all right to me, Ray. It looks fine. Well, then Missy Price, Dr. Missy Price, the president of the United Soccer Coaches, appears on the screen. I'm a pretty smart guy, and I know when the president's on the screen, she's not sitting in the Seaplick household that she's on the screen for a reason. So I turned to Anne Marie, turned to my wife, and I said, do you, were you, did you know this? Do you like, have you been keeping this secret? She said, no, 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 I don't know what's going on. And Missy then informed me what was going on. And Steve Veal, Steve knows me very well. Steve was also on the call and he had a handkerchief ready because he said, Joe, I know you and I know what's going to happen right now. And Dean, I'll tell you, I I'm just pleased that they don't do it the old way because I, I would have never been able to get through whatever it is I would have said from the podium. <laughs> so now I got, I've had months to prepare and maybe I'll be uh, not too, um, I won't babble too much from the podium during the presentation to know that you, and, and by the way, people may not realize you're, you're, you become the recipient because of the voting of the other honor award winners. This isn't a ballot that goes out to the membership. So you are being judged. You are being accepted in to this group of people that are the leaders of our sport and of this coach's organization. You are being given 
this award, you're the recipient of this award. They're honoring you and it was always my honor to serve the association. It seems a little backwards to me. It's my honor to have served the association. And that's the emotion that I'll have with me on Friday night, January 21st. Well, without question, because it was your honor, you did your job with great honor. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why you're receiving this award, because what you did behind the curtains is never going to be lost on anybody tied to the association. My final question for the great Joe Cummings is an important one. And it's one that as you reflect on it, you know, makes you realize that you, in fact, will leave a legacy and let me go with it. You know, Joe, with four decades of involvement in the game, there's certainly a legacy that exists. And what do you feel the legacy of Joe Cummings is and how will you be viewed by those of us in the game? Um, I would hope. Very simply, I would hope that what people will say and what they will realize and recognize is that my involvement has been, um, as, as our, our friend, our mutual friend Hank has said to me dozens of times, it's, it's, it's being able to wear both suits. Um, I've worn the track suit, I've stood on the field, I've run a training session and I've coached some very successful teams or teams that were very successful. And I've won the business suit. Uh, I've, uh, I can look at a training session and I can look at a spreadsheet. And uh, I've done that on every single side of the game. Boys, girls, med women, youth, high school, college, pro. And um, no one will be able to say that I've only concentrated on one aspect of our game. And I think for me, I hope that people would recognize that as my legacy, that my contributions have covered a wide range of opportunities. And I uh, sought those opportunities and accepted those opportunities when they were presented to me. So on behalf of the association on this special Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast, of course, congratulations on receiving this prestigious honor award and just as important on Thanksgiving weekend. Thank you, Joe Cummings, for all you've done for the game. Dean, thank you very much. And um, it's, uh, yeah, Thanksgiving. What a great uh what a great word to close with because yes, I've been, I've been given, um, I've been giving thanks ever since United Soccer Coaches made the call uh, back in September. I've been giving thanks for the, uh, for the four decades of membership. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. 
Time now for my favorite part of the show. If you listen to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, I'm so proud of the association for several years ago, starting this 30 under 30 program, 15 amazing men, 15 amazing women under the age of 30, doing great things to move the game forward. No different today as we're joined by Cameron Carter, who just wrapped up her fourth season at UTSA after joining the staff in 2018. Carter assists in all aspects of the program while focusing on the development of the Roadrunners goalkeepers. And Cameron Carter, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you, Dean. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great opportunity to learn from a lot of people that have been in the 30 under 30 and the ones that are with me. So I'm very much appreciative of this opportunity. Excited to learn. Yeah, well, I'm excited about the season you just had. A fantastic season for the Roadrunners. Break it down for us. Yes, sir. Yes, it's been. Um, so this is my fourth year with the UTSA Roadrunners. Um, it was one of the best years that we've had um, coming in our first year. Um, it was a little honeymoon phase. It was very fun getting to know everybody, uh, learning about different people, and then who wanted to be in the program where we wanted to take the program. Um, it has been a little bit of bumps in the roads, but let this be our best year in program history. Finished 10, five and four overall, uh, three, two and three in conference. Um, hopefully finishing in the top 100 in the country. So, which is uh, very exciting for us. And um, it's been amazing. It's been awesome um, to see all the work that has been within the team that was here and all the players that have put in hours and hours and our coaching with the recruiting and training and everything that it's actually paying off and we're in the right way of going in this program so like so often great coaches were great players no difference for miss carter as she recorded 20 shutouts during her time with the arkansas razorbacks including six during her senior campaign cameron also continued to improve throughout her career posting her best goals against the average of her career during her senior season can you talk about your time at arkansas and what it meant to you oh man um it was fun it was one of the i would go over if I could and do it all over again. Um, it was an amazing experience. Uh, had a blast from the time I got there to the end of my season. Learned a ton about myself, of just who I am, the overall goalkeeper I was and had been through those four years at Arkansas. And I, I credit it all to Colby, to my goalkeeper coach, Mario. Um, they helped me tremendously, just not only growing as a soccer player, but just growing as a person and then uh, leading into the coaching field now. So still look up to those ones that helped me. I know you're originally from Waco, Texas, but was it during your time at Arkansas or was it during your time in the offseason at Texas that gave you the coaching bug? I guess that's my question. When did you know you wanted to be a coach? So I was at Arkansas. So this is when I kind of figured it out. It's like my junior going into my senior year. Like I knew I wanted to go in the coaching field. Um, if that was uh, strength and conditioning. So I got to do an internship with our strength coaches at Arkansas. Um, I worked plenty of camps with Colby. And so I, I felt like the coaching, if I could stay in the game, as long as I wanted, as long as I could, I wanted to stay in the coaching field and do soccer. Um, if that was on the college level, if that was high school uh, club, um, wherever life took me, I just got the great opportunity that Colby knew Derek, my boss now, um, and set me up and I got to do my master's at Idaho as a GA um, with him and then got to further my career here at UTSA. Yeah, so just one year at Idaho, right? And then uh, yes. you headed to the Roadrunners, which is back in your your home state, right? What did that yes. mean? 
Oh, uh, <laughs> Idaho was fun. Um, it was fun while it lasted, but I could not do the cold. So I told Derek, if this is our end, then I am going back to Texas. Or if you want to take me, I am 100% with you and I will go with you. So please, um, if that opportunity comes available, I will 100% take it. So um, just being back in the state of Texas, I, uh, I'm a Texas girl. I love it here. I love the heat. Um, now that it's getting a little chilly on my end, um, I'm not too too pumped about it, but Texas, it's it's my home. I'm still close to family. I get to see them. I'm three hours away from home, so it, it's a blessing to be back. I mentioned you're originally from Waco. You went to Midway High School. You also competed for Waco United SC, Revolution Premier SC, and the Defeaters Soccer Club at the club level. I mentioned all of that because the emergence and growth of youth soccer, particularly for young girls, has been incredible. And I think it's one of the reasons there's so much parity and maybe one of the reasons like a team like North Carolina is already knocked out of the NCAA tournament because of that incredible parity. Can you talk about your time as a youth player and how amazed you are at the growth of youth soccer, particularly for young girls? Well, I was the first kid in my family that wanted to play soccer. My dad had absolutely no idea what he was doing. <laughs> Um, so we had friends that got me involved. I started out as a field player uh, growing up. And then my dad was like, hey, just go in the goal, see how you do. And I came that I did. I did love it, but I did love to score too. But goalkeeper was my position. So I stuck with it. Um, I played for Wicked United. I played for Revolution, started going to camps, uh, started getting pretty serious about soccer and knowing that I wanted to go and play further into college and hopefully pro if I wanted to do that. Um, and then going into these camps, one of the coaches told me like, hey, if you really want to get the most exposure, you need to go to a higher involved team organization. And so that's what we did. So we started traveling. I had four or five girls go with me to Dallas back and forth. Um, some actually dropped off. And then when we went to the feeders, it was just me and one of my best friends now that would go back and forth to the feeders every other, every other day. We went twice a week and played every time. So it was my second home in Dallas for, for a while. Your path is rapid fire, right? So you play, you have all that success, you get that graduate assistant job and boom, you're back in your state. So you're well below 30. What was your impetus uh, and desire and drive to want to be a member of this esteemed 30 under 30 class? Honestly, I had no idea about this 30 under 30 program um, until Derek brought it to my attention. It was like, hey, you can learn from one of the best people coaching people in this game. And I was like, okay, like, why wouldn't I take this opportunity? So it was actually my third time trying to get into this program. So I'm, I'm ecstatic that I'm in it. Um, and so just being able to learn from different coaches in my area, in the goalkeeper specific area, or even growing into if I want to ever step out of the goalkeeper role as a coach and stepping into defenders or the four and forward uh, coaches, I want to learn whatever I can learn in those areas. I always feel like goalkeepers, the ones that um, really get stuck in as a coach, bring a unique perspective because you see everything. You see the defenders in front of yeah. you. You see how the midfielders check back. You see the forwards, you play against the forwards. Can you add on to that on why you think goalkeepers can make great head coaches down the road? I think just like you said, we see everything. Um, we know what it takes to win. We know what those forwards are going to do. Um, especially if you're a big, tall goalkeeper, they're going to shoot low because you can't get down quick enough or you can't move your feet. So, so just being a goalkeeper coach, 
you kind of know what people are thinking or if they pick their head up, they're going to probably cross this ball to get it across to this uh, forward or um, into the goal zone, anything like that. So you're you pretty, you know what some of the forwards are thinking and what they are looking to do. So I think it, it just overall just helps you in those different areas. Being a defender, you're almost like the last defensive player other than the goalkeeper. So you're, if I'm a defensive coach, I can still know like, hey, I still have these people that I need to communicate in front of me, but I know I have another line in behind me. So- yeah. So speaking of deep thinking, I'm going to make you dig deep here. And okay. if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I like the two M's memories and mentors. So what has been your greatest memory as a player and a coach, if you have both, and then who are some key mentors along the way? I know you've touched on some names, but maybe first and last names on that part of the question. Probably one of my best memories in the college while I was playing was probably at Arkansas. My senior year, we were playing Florida and it was, it was a nasty game. It rained the whole day. I don't know if Florida was up to it to be playing us, but we're like, no, we're playing this game. And we like, that was our first time ever beating Florida. So that was probably one of my best memories, even though like freshman, my freshman year was amazing, making, making it to the NCAA for the first time, going to the Sweet 16. Um, I think those are probably my two top uh, favorite memories. Being a coach, I always want to say like, yes, probably some winning games were probably my most memorable memories and all that kind of stuff, but just making memories with the girls of just knowing, just getting to know them, getting to know what their life's about outside of soccer. Uh, I think I cherish that more than anything and just being a influence on them or helping them out with anything they want, um, they need or going on to seeing them do big things in this world. I think that's probably what I cherish the most. Mentors that have helped me grow, uh, I would say probably Mario Rincon. Right now he's down in Florida helping out a club team there, but not only his investment in me as a player, but just me as in just a person and just a human being of just uh, taking the time to just develop me as a goalkeeper, but develop me for life in general. Um, I would say Derek Pittman, my boss right now, um, I probably wouldn't be here for if it wasn't for him. He's been amazing. He's been a great mentor. Him being a goalkeeper himself has helped me grow, has helped me get out of my comfort zone. Like this 30 under 30 program is very much out of my comfort zone, but I, I'm willing to grow and learn. And I'm just happy about that. So I would say probably those two people would probably be my, my mentors throughout the game right now. Good choices. I want to learn more about your comfort zone, and that is outside of soccer. We're here with Cameron Carter in her fourth season at UTSA, heading up the goalkeepers and a member of our 30 under 30 class. But away from soccer, what are some things that you enjoy doing, Cameron Carter? What are your go-to things to do? Um, I'm very much so my person. I am very much so a homebody person. It takes me a lot to get out of my comfort zone. Um, If I know you, I will hang out with you. If I don't know you, um, I probably won't hang out with you, but I do just love, I, I love shopping. I love getting my nails done, getting all that kind of stuff, that fun stuff outside of soccer. But yes, I, I want to grow outside of my comfort zone. Absolutely. All right. Now, when you heard that you, after three tries, that you were part of the 30 under 30, who were some of the first people you emailed or called to <laughs> share the good news with? So I was actually, we were all sitting around Derek and our other assistant, Brock Duckworth, um, we're just sitting around talking. I think we just finished a meeting or something and I get an email and I'm like, what is this? United soccer. I knew it was coming, but I just saw United soccer coaches. So I looked and I was like, Oh, I made it. 
And they're like, you made what? And I was like, I made 30 under 30. And so they were all super pumped for me or congratulating me. And then I sent it to my parents because they knew I was trying. So they were happy. And then once it got out to everybody, like even seeing a, a club team I work for here, showing everybody my high school, my high school back at home, uh, showing everybody on Facebook. It was just, it was a big accomplishment and I'm super, super excited. So you seem like you're in a good place there are now four years, but if you listen to the podcast, I often ask about the crystal ball question, you know, where you might see yourself in 10 years. There's no wrong answers here, Miss Carter, but uh, have you thought about that at all? A little bit at the beginning of my soccer career here at UTSA, I was like, oh, this is a little bit more difficult than I expected. Um, just the way it was going, I was like, I don't know if this is for me. I was like, I'll give it another two years or I give it another year. But right now, being an assistant coach, I am learning a ton. So right now, I want to stay as an assistant coach. I don't know how many years that looks down the line, but um, even if that's a head coaching job in the future or if that's dropping down to the high school or club level, I honestly want to own my own business in nutrition. And so um, I have... I have those goals set in mind. I don't know what I want to do if that's own my own gym with a nutrition bar in it, or if I get uh, partnered up with someone that has their own gym and I can put in a nutrition bar, things like that. So nutrition's always been an important part of your life, I take it. Tell me more about that. It's been more important lately, uh, just seeing some of what's going on with my family. Uh, the reason I kind of wanted to get into coaching was because of my grandparents. They were both coaches on my dad's side and the stories that I've heard about how amazing they are. I think that's probably why I wanted to go into coaching. And then nutrition has became a big piece of mine uh, after uh, soccer, just knowing my, the history in my family. Um, so I, be I became a lot more serious. My whole, my dad, my mom, my sister have jumped on board with it too. Um, just knowing the outcomes of it. And then COVID really opened a big eye of people getting sick and stuff like that. So Nutrition has been a big piece of that. I, I had to stay healthy. I had to watch my nutrition as I was playing and now that I'm retired, it's even more important now. So let's end with this. We're here with Cameron Carter, one of our 30 under 30 superstars. She's in her fourth season at UTSA as the Roadrunners goalkeepers coach, but a key part of the coaching staff. We're hoping that means you'll be in Kansas City to be recognized as a group. Usually all 15 women and all 15 men get together. So we'll end with this. Will you be at the convention? And as you think about United Soccer Coaches, what has that organization meant to you? Yes, I will actually, I will be attending the um, convention this year. So I already put it on my calendar, told Derek I will not be here. So don't plan anything. <laughs> but with the, with the United Soccer Coaches, I, I just want to learn more in the college game. It's a lot more serious than, or big more, a big uh, organization than I thought it was. And so just learning from people in that organization of what, what all goes on in the United Soccer Coaches world of other than licenses and the convention, what else happens, the marketing, all that kind of stuff. So just learning, I think, is what I'm looking for most in the convention and throughout my uh, program here at With 30 Under 30. Well, I certainly enjoyed learning more about you and your journey and your story. And I see only great things happening to you, Cameron Carter. And I like the fact that you also have other interests as well, which I think makes you extremely well-rounded. Cameron Carter, this week's member of our 30 under 30 class. Thanks for letting us put the spotlight on you.
Dean, thank you so much for having me, and um, I'm excited, so thank you so much. Thank you, Cameron, and happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of you. Happy Thanksgiving to our great people at United Soccer Coaches like Sean Chevrolet and Erica Dyer and Bailey Conklin and Jeff Van Dusen and the gang. I also want to say happy Thanksgiving to our producer, Colin Thrash, and, of course, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.